It's tough being a teen, and it's even tougher when you're saving the world, but still have to be home in time to finish your algebra homework. On today's episode, Charlie can't math, Mikey speculates on Rom Space Night, and we talk way, way too long about the finale of Young Avengers, volume number one. Welcome to The Young Ones, a podcast about teen superhero teams and why we love them. My name is Charlie, and I use they, them pronouns. And I'm Mikey, and I use he, him pronouns. And this is episode number six. It's been six episodes, Mikey. I know. <laughs> I I feel like we have this conversation literally every start of every podcast. I don't care. It's been six episodes. That's three more than three episodes ago. That's how math works, yeah. I'm very bad at it, so I mean, kudos to me for getting that right. Um, but no, it's and it's actually been like a month. Now? Never, never asked Charlie to play trivia murder party because they will inevitably get the math segment when they get killed. No, it's very bad and it's super, also super embarrassing. And Which, then I just want to sit out the rest of the game anyway. You got it like two times in a row that you played, right? yeah it's the one that i always get when i die and then i just i'm very good at trivia not so much at like rapid fire like questions about math even if it's like just adding or subtracting you know what it is it's the negative integers it's they the get, negative they get integers. everyone that, yeah it's bad it's like i'm like i don't know it's because in the u.s we don't learn negative integers until like third or fourth grade until fractions yeah yeah we don't, yeah like, I think it would be so much easier if we just started with negative integers. Like, kids yeah. can handle the concept of being less than nothing. Like, it's... Or or having additive to subtraction. Like... Is that too existential for children? Like, <laughs> children can handle the, the concept of a debt, I feel like. Like... <laughs> They're gonna like, have to. Well, like, kids will go like, you owe me five quarters for the Pokemon cards I traded you. I don't know if kids even still do Pokemon cards, but let's just go with that. Like, that's a concept that people can handle. Like, you owe me a thing. That's all (laughs) negative integers are, is it's like, you owe this person five units. (laughs) We're in space now. I mean... You owe me five units. Yes. No, but... That's just, sorry, that is just something that Hello happens. and welcome to The Young Ones, a podcast about children's education and math uh, teaching techniques. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's it, that's the podcast, goodbye. That's the podcast, sorry, goodbye. It's over. It's actually the entire podcast Thank that you. episode six is going to be me laughing continuously. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. <laughs> it's the last and final podcast. We've just changed topics. We never actually finished the last arc of Young Adventures. I'm sorry. Yeah, we laughed too much, and we actually yeah. expired from laughter. Yeah, but, oh, no, it's 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 been about a month, and oh God, it has, everybody's, right. everybody's still here, and we are still increasing in viewer, viewership, listenership. 
can't really. I don't know. Some some people have a constant joke about the people that listen to their podcast being viewers. I mean, it is brought. To, it's it's brought to you by me and Mikey, but also viewers like you. Thank you. Yeah, sorry. I some PBS is very important to me. Uh, for those but... of you that aren't in the U.S., that is the public broadcasting system. This is the th- this is the uh, episode about education and why public broadcasting is important. It is. Okay. It is. Don't okay. don't have Sesame Street on HBO anymore. That sucks. To be frank, yeah, it really does. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Well, I mean, it was for a little bit, but not really. <laughs> no, um, we're actually here to discuss the last two issues of Volume One of Young Avengers. That's that's true. It's true. It's- I feel like there was something else I wanted to talk about beforehand. Like there was something that I wanted to mention, but now it's completely left my brain. There's been a lot that's happened in the past couple weeks. There has. Should I make mention of our impending special guest or should that be at the end of the episode? You can mention it now if you'd like. Charlie has somehow convinced, like I say somehow because I'm still like... <laughs> marveling at it haha ha. um i'm still like oh. it's still like that was not intentional it's still like i'm still trying to wrap my brain around the fact that like this is a thing that's going to happen soon we're going to have christina strain on the podcast uh who is both the writer of gen x um generation x which is a recent comic series from marvel one of the writers for the magicians which is a tv show as well as the colorist for most of uh, the run of the Runaways, the original run of the Runaways. Which is a particularly good lead-in for where we are going to be going next. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough. Um, but we're going to um, have her on and kind of talk to her about Generation X. And i probably talk to her a little bit about Runaways and uh, have questions. And um, if you have a question for her or for us or all of us, you can... Send them to at Young Cast on, on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, I'll like them, and if they're good, I will ask them. Or you can email them to us at youngonescast at gmail dot com. Probably could have gone at the end of the episode. I don't care. I don't care now. I don't know, so. but I'm so excited. I couldn't I know. help myself. I'm too excited yeah. about no, it. No, a lot of good things have happened over the past two weeks. A lot of bad things have happened over the past two weeks. I mean, that's how life goes, right? You know. That's, yeah, that is the nature of life. Um, but you know what's not bad? The end of this arc? Yeah! You know me well enough to know that's where I was going. Um, it was a good no, segue. this is a good segue. Uh, we are currently on Young Avengers number 11 in a 12-issue series, so I don't know. i kind of sad coming to the end of it. Yeah. Do we want to kind of, like, give a overview and, like, a review of where we're at? going into this issue yes um if you've listened i think we haven't started a new arc so i don't think it's necessary to review who we've got on the team because if you are listening and you are listening to our podcast in the order you should be listening to our podcast in, um, we've been with these guys from the beginning there's no there's been no serious change other than what i will talk about in the recap here if this is your first episode that you're listening to stop Go back and listen to the first episode. I promise it'll be much yes. of a much better experience if you do it in order. I agree. I agree. So what happened previously on Young Avengers was that 
after the kids had thusly disassembled due to a number of circumstances, um, including Eli not actually being a superhero and taking mutant drugs and largely related to that and the fact they were too young and inexperienced, according to Captain America and Iron Man, the young Avengers were no more. Uh, because these kids cannot, for the life of them, stay out of A, trouble, and B, stop stop from superheroing, because that's just how things happen. Um, I mean, they big mood. Yeah, big mood. They coalesced again and uh, decided that they were kind of sick of trying to stay somewhat on the level, I guess. And uh, before they could really figure out what was really going on with Eli, that he'd been kind of shutting himself down, the Super Scroll showed up and told Teddy that he was a Scroll and needed to come with him to scroll homeworld so he could reclaim his throne i thought you were just gonna say the scroll the scroll home and i mean like (laughs) also that but (laughs) yes come visit Uh, me at my scroll home and sit on my scroll couch and we can watch scroll football together you don't know if i don't have football on the scroll you don't know that i mean i'm also the same person that put football in my fantasy world so yeah i have nowhere to speak yeah so listen don't don't Excuse um, you, it's called Smash Ball. <laughs> I know what it's called. Anyway, after this exciting revelation and the kids deciding they didn't want any part of that, um, they went back to Billy's apartment just in time for the Super Scroll to attack them there. And he actually killed Teddy's mom, which yeah, was not was, a good time. No, it was very, very bad, bad time. Very bad. Very bad time. So the Super Scroll kind of absconded away with Teddy, and the Young Avengers were kind of just left in the lurch, um, everyone else trying to figure out what happened, and they did a responsible thing in going to Avengers Tower, where the Avengers were not there. Surprise, surprise. No, Jarvis and, and the Vision were playing chess. Yes, um, as is so want to happen between Jarvis and maybe anybody else there. So because the Avengers weren't there, they decided to consult the Avengers Failsafe program for any other members that they could pull onto the team, where they found a young man by the name of Thomas Shepard, who is a speedster, and he was locked up in Super Juvie because he apparently exploded his school at some point in time. Accidentally. <laughs> Accidentally. Which I always figured that that was like the advent of his powers, because we don't know how long Tommy was locked up in Super Juvie. So, like, no, Billy almost accidentally killed someone when his mutant powers activated. So, like, if you are having a bad time and your mutant powers activate, sometimes you do level schools. Because, like, that's not actually unusual in, like, X-Men world. Yeah, and that's not anything you can control either. So, no. it's just something that happened. So, we, we we glossed over that, and the kids tried to gloss over that as well when they went to went to this facility and freed Tommy and figured out that he looks just like Billy, like identically. Just like Bart. Just Yes. It's um, it's it's Bart's birthday yesterday, actually. <laughs> oh my god, it is. Yeah, he's like two years old or something. <laughs> but after they recruited Tommy, they decided they needed to find out where Teddy went and found him hidden away in this mechanized from the inside house in upstate New York where they promptly determined uh, that they needed to rescue him when they did so, and the Super Scroll lay perhaps defeated on the floor, 
um, the Cree militia showed up and told Teddy that he was to come with them because he was one of them. Dun, dun, dun. There's your recap. How do you think Clark got that house into upstate? Like, is that his ship that's just disguised as a totally normal suburban family home in the middle of upstate New York? Or Okay, we can... The logical answer is probably what you just said, that okay. it is his ship disguised as a home. Two-story, four-bedroom, three-bath, three-and-a-half bath, two-and-a-half bath. It's probably got a powder room. It's, I mean, look, just look at it. Yeah. The... The answer I would like to give you is that he needed he needed to find like a suitable home for the for all of his things. So he needed to like he he kind of like went through the housing market to find that. Like, how, how did he scroll. pay for it though? There's no like scroll money to US dollar conversion, right? Like did he pretend to be a human and like work a normal office job? Like what is happening? The scroll are wild, y'all. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. I would not put um, it past. I mean, we'll we'll get more into secret invasion later. Uh, but the scroll do secretly invade the world. Yeah, that includes. It also includes the housing market. Maybe the scroll <laughs> were. Maybe the scroll were like actually the ones that caused the housing market to crash in two thousand. In well, in in this world, because that would. In be, the, yeah, I have to assume probably in that six one six. I don't want to give uh, that much credit or non-credit. You know, take the blame away from the people who a are actually responsible for, for that, that. With predatory loans in the real world. Yeah. But <laughs> you're right. In a fantasy world, anything can happen. The scroll can be cows. One of the beetles could actually be a scroll. Um, Elvis can be a scroll. These are all things that actually happen involving the scrolls. By the way, I'm not just making these examples up. <laughs> I believe you. I I really do. John the Scroll, you. if you're if if you want a good time with something wacky that happened in Marvel, look up John the Scroll. Uh, you will not be disappointed. I promise you. <laughs> and with that recap, here we are. Here we are. Young yeah, Avengers hey. number eleven. Number eleven. Would you like to read off the creative team that I unfortunately forgot last time? Sure. Writing both of these issues, but specifically issue number 11 we have alan heinberg uh with pencils by jim chung uh the inkers are john livesey mm -hmm. i if i'm sorry if i'm pronouncing your name incorrectly mr livesey or livesey um jay lyston dave meckis matt ryan and jamie mendoza and the colorist once again justin ponzor the writer penciler and colorist have been at least one of them has been like very consistent across this entire series um, a lot of a lot of people inking this issue, but it looks doesn't look any doesn't look like it was a rush job. Doesn't look like any of that. So we're good on that. I'm gonna make sure that I talk about the cover this time. I don't know how I feel about this one. <laughs> yeah, I do. I don't know. I had written a good cover, but now that I'm actually looking at it again, I don't know if I'm convinced of that. I do like the like Teddy blending into Eli motif because those are the same smoke clouds that are like coming off of Eli's body yeah. are the same clouds that Teddy had from the first arc when he was shot by King the Conqueror. So I like that like visual continuity. So and then we've also got like a blend of like Tommy and Billy, someone that looks it's basically Tommy, but with Billy's headband on, uh, he has the green eyes and the silver hair. Um. I don't know what Cassie's doing. I don't know why um, she's blending into 
like the coming headband? out of his headband. I don't know. And also like Teddy's arm. Her hand and Teddy hand. Teddy's arm are like the same. Teddy's arm is like partly also phasing through Tommy. Um, the vision's up in the corner screaming. He's exploding. It um, looks like it, but I mean yeah. that's from later on in the issue. But yeah. Kate's very worried, and then, like, the Kree militia are doing, like, a hell march in some kind of military structure. It It is kind of, like, a weird visual mishmash. It and, is. Yeah, I don't know if it actually works. I don't think it does. I think, like, the weird, the, the, one of the weirdest parts about it is, like, this weird Tommy-Billy fusion. Yeah. It's, I understand what they're trying to evoke there, but it is very strange. Yes. And, like, why is everybody popping out of the headband? Like... Why aren't they, like, I don't understand. Maybe it's actually a portal. There's a thought. <laughs> it is all swirly. <laughs> There's a thought, but too bad that's not what's actually happening. No. But we start off where we left off with the Super Scroll clerk on the ground, and Teddy and the Kree, who names himself as Captain Avram of the Kree Imperial Militia. And this is the first time we hear his name, and that's also the last time we hear his name. It sounds like, I don't know what it sounds like. It sounds like something. When you wrote that down, I thought it was like a weird thing that you copied from Wikipedia, like audiovisual ROM. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> What's this strange? Is that like a, a weird form of like the Blu-ray HD DVD wars that never came out? I think Captain Afrom deserves his own series, okay? I, I don't. I disagree. <laughs> I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one. <laughs> That's okay. Um, but Captain Avram tells Teddy that he is the son, or claims he is the son, of Captain Marvel, the Kree's mightiest warrior. You know what? I thought Captain Marvel was like, I thought he disowned the Kree. I thought he was like, nope, I'm not having any of that. And he left. Yeah, yeah. This this is like, okay. So I figured it out as I was reading. Both the scroll and the Kree are like imperial monarchies right yeah because the kree have an emperor and the scroll also have an emperor but i feel like of the two the kree are like 1000 percent more fascist you're correct so this is like a hundred percent like straight out of the authoritarian playbook is like whether or not this guy was actually our hero. We're going to claim him if it makes us look good or yeah. forwards our agenda yeah and like that's what they're doing here no, you're absolutely correct. Teddy, this is news to Teddy because he didn't know who his father was because Clerk got shot before he could tell him. So yeah. that, you know, that leaves him extremely more confused than he already is. So we get a little bit of backstory back to where Mr. Av Mr. Avram tells um, Teddy that after Marvel was captured, um, Anel, the squirrel, you know, princess, conspired with Marvel to overthrow her father, Doric, and wound up, obviously, giving birth to Teddy. We get these visual, like, these flashbacks here, where it... Do you remember that one issue of, I think it was during Civil War, where Novar has this daydream that he's Captain Marvel? I think so. That's how he, this is what this looks like. Like, and it's probably because Jim Chung also drew that. Yeah. But it's yeah. like it's like evoking that and I'm just thinking about that story when I look at these panels. Yeah. The other interesting thing about this is Avram, I like how you called him Mr. instead of Captain, mm -hmm. like you were denying him his ranking. That was good. <laughs> so 
the last thing or one of the last things he says is that Marvel was forced to sacrifice himself to save the life of the human Rick Jones. I don't know that he was forced to sacrifice himself, but that was a really nice history revision, bro. Yeah. Again, like this is this is very much like his the side of it that the Cree want to believe. Because yeah, I think at that point Marvel had not only disowned the Cree, but also like he and you feel free to correct me, listeners, if I'm wrong. But I don't think he was forced to sacrifice himself. I think he chose to do that to save this guy's life. Yes, he. I think he. I think he did. Like, I think that was his heroic act, right? Yeah, they can't conceive of a world where you would choose to save someone. So instead, they are choosing to believe that he was forced to do it, which is just like you know, sure. Yeah. Also, um, I love the panel at the bottom of this page because it's got Teddy listening intently and his face is drawn like very like I'm listening to this mm-hmm. and everyone else is in the background who they all are also listening to this. But Tommy just looks like he'd rather be anywhere else. And I absolutely yeah. love it. He's got the most impish expression on his face. And I think he's also like extremely. I'm sure he's so bored. Yeah, he's also eyeing Kate. Oh, yes, also. Which I think is also worth pointing out. Yeah, not in a weird way. He's just looking. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that. And and then Avram puts his helmet on Teddy's head, which is kind of just weird. Also, I should mention these are, in fact, the blue Cree, not the pink Cree, a.k.a. The ones that look like normal humans. Yes. I forget the distinction off the top of my head, but there is one. Also, Teddy tries to, like, he tries to question, he's like, so I'm a half Cree, half scroll. And Avram says, your father was Cree, which means you are Cree. Come on, really? He just, Avram just needs to chill. That's straight out of the authoritarian playbook once again. Yes. So Avram decides he just wants, they they just want to go now. So obviously Teddy's cool with this. We're going to go. But Teddy's not cool with it, and there he, and he's not going to go, and he's not going to join the Kree army, which doesn't end well for Teddy. Yeah, he says, I'm sorry you had to come out this way, but I can't join your army, which is just really funny <laughs> when you consider, like, what's at stake here. Yeah. Especially when this dude turns around and shoots him, which is maybe, hmm, maybe something is going a little afoot here. Maybe the scrolls or the, sorry, the Kree's intentions are less than pure. Uh, yeah. Mm. They're definitely the ones that come across as more of the bad guys. Mm. Mostly probably because Avram's a dick, but also because we kind of know who Clert is now. Yeah. Like, he started to open up about, like, what his intentions are, no matter what the scroll as a whole, you know? Yeah. Also, without his helmet, Avram looks a little bit like uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn, or just like any Chiss ever. True. True. I like the way he's drawn, even though, like I said, he is a dick. No, the the pencils in these last two issues are very strong. Yes, yes, extremely. I was actually going to say, like, I'll be remarking on the art a little bit, but um, especially for issue 12, like, the visual storytelling in these issues is very good. And um, if I were to pick, like, any couple issues to, like, recommend people to actually read, it would probably be um, issue 11 and issue 12. I agree. No, I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, after Avram shoots Teddy and refers him back to, I think, just the force of the the blast with the pulse rifle brings him back to, like, his human-esque state. The Super Scroll actually starts to burn Avram alive because Clert is awake and tells them to just leave, to go, because he'll hold him off. So 
heroic, huh? But yeah, Teddy doesn't want to leave, um, even though Clert has made this opening for him because he's like, they'll just kill you. And Billy's like, he just kidnapped you and murdered your mom. But Teddy is always wanting to help everyone. And he sees that like, yeah, maybe he did all these things, but, you know, maybe it's also not as black and white as they thought. So he goes back to help him and Billy says, I'm not going to lose you again. So Teddy responds, then stay close and cover me. Very good. Yeah. Nobody's like being like a victim or like, okay, this is how we're going to do this. Then you're not going to just stand here and tell me like, I hope you don't get hurt. Like, I don't want you to go. Like, yeah, Billy's also extremely capable and we know that and Teddy knows that. Yeah, and it's a really good way, too, to showcase, like, how to support someone. Like, Billy doesn't quite know why he's doing it or, you know, maybe doesn't agree 100% with Teddy, but he's still going to support Teddy anyway. Yes. Like, he's not going to be like, okay, have it your way then, and then, like, go off somewhere else. Yeah, and then, like, go off. Exactly. And more of that. More of this right here. (laughs) Yes. Also, he's got a really cool pose as he's doing magic. Yes, he's got the. He's got a cool magic pose. He's got a, I mean, everybody needs a cool magic pose, especially Billy. Yes, but it's pretty clear that at least without you know a little bit of help, that the kids are kind of in over their heads. But everybody else kind of rides this to the occasion, especially Eli, who like uses the Kree weaponry to like shoot Avram. Yeah, can I just read out this banter though? Because it's really good. Please do. So first we see Cassie. And she's got a Kree soldier by, like, his leg. And so she says, how about you drop the weapon before I drop you? Then so Kate shoots uh, this Kree soldier with a couple arrows. And Vision says, well done, Kate Bishop. And she says, thanks, but it shouldn't have taken three arrows to bring him down. Uh, So Vision says, the Kree's advanced technology makes them one of the most powerful races in the universe. And Eli says, until you use it against them, and shoots the Kree with the gun. And continues, at which point they just get very sleepy. <laughs> yeah. And as the Kree are like laying on the ground, like all of the soldiers that were with Avram, Tommy is causing a bit of a stir in the corner of this panel. And they're trying to figure out what to do with the soldiers. And Tommy says, can I make a suggestion? And Kate says, you're not vaporizing them, Tommy. And he says, damn. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's really good. Yeah. And they kind of decide that they're going to take the Kree's ship. And they're going to go. Because Lil Viz, as I like to call him at this point, can put his um, himself in the navigation system, which makes him automatically, I think, way more useful than Iron Lad, to yeah. be honest. He's actually a robot, so yeah. Well, and he's like not afraid to just do things he needs to do. I don't know. Iron Lad seemed to have like hemming and hawing of like will this make me evil or will this make me a good guy iron lad had a lot of he had a lot of baggage that he brought with him to the 20th century the 21st century that is true that is very true so he really he really wasn't a good person to lead this team too much baggage especially because his mission was highly self-serving let's just be honest Mm -hmm. absolutely so yeah no more iron lad right um well mostly mostly so we have kind of a scene of like tommy and eli kind of like butting heads and kate having to work as the intermediary uh because vision's first instinct well viz's first instinct is to go to avengers tower 
And Tommy says, and I, I have to side with Tommy here. Same. That Avengers Tower is the last place that they should go. And e- and Eli has to just come back and say, because the first thing the Avengers will do is turn you over to the cops. Come on, Eli. Yeah, like, <laughs> Eli, please, dude. If anyone should understand where Tommy's coming from, it should be you, really. Yeah, you know firsthand that you can't, the Avengers don't want you out here doing this yeah the first thing they're going to do is tell you no yeah like come on also tommy says that tommy doesn't have much faith in the avengers which you know like i i, I don't want to say it but the avengers are kind of cops same though in, <laughs> at least in this like scenario yeah and like i don't want to say the avengers are always cops but like in this series in particular like they've been pretty much super cops like they've been like the i don't want to take any chances and we got to do this the right way because we all fucked up like they're dealing with all that baggage so like they're being like very by the rules and that is not what needs to happen right now they're projecting all of their their problems onto these kids right so because tommy says no like they're gonna turn teddy over to the Kree so that they don't have to fight another war because like they're not really in a place to do that right now which Tommy's got a really good point and like if yeah and he says all I'm saying is that if one of my best friends was being hunted that they'd set a course for a secluded corner of the universe where the Kree and the Skrulls and the Avengers could never find anyone which I mean that also doesn't solve the problem but at least Tommy at least Tommy's looking out for who he needs to be looking out for Yeah, and it would give, you know, it would have given them space to think, but that is not what happens because Eli tells them to set a course for Avengers Tower. Yes. Um, Which, I mean, Eli has a good point that they can't fight it by themselves. Which they can't. One or both of the forces that are hunting them will find them. I guess they're technically if you include the Avengers. Yeah. We don't know if they're, like, where they are right now. Tommy says snidely after Eli says anyone who feels differently from him is welcome to leave. Tommy says, your boyfriend has control issues. And Kate goes, he's not my boyfriend. And then Tommy says, good to know. Yeah. And I like the depth of field on this panel, too. I think that's the one of the few times I've seen depth of field used in comics. It's a really cool effect here. And I think it really works well because so Vision is in the foreground of this panel blurred out separating these two conversations like physically and i think it's really good to be like yeah they're just sitting here having it out on the ship with like a young robot that maybe (laughs) doesn't know that much about humanity just (laughs) yeah Yeah. he's kind of just there that yeah he's he's like what what do (laughs) pilot the ship i guess yeah this is awkward yeah, no, only a little. A, a, only a, little. Okay, a lot. Yeah, a lot. We leave that conversation to go over to the back of the ship where Billy is attempting to heal the Super Scroll, and it's not it's not working because he doesn't really want yeah. it to work. I <laughs> this is gonna sound maybe a little bad of me, um, but like all these panels where Teddy is like moderately distressed and stuff like that's all happening but also he's drawn really cute and it makes me very conflicted like he's extremely cute here but also very sad (laughs) i mean he's going through an extremely rough time it's true like he's just drawn very well and cute but also is very sad so 
take that as you take that as you will. Yeah, because uh, we haven't seen much of like Teddy being just Teddy until like this arc. <laughs> so the time that we get to see like Teddy Altman instead of Hulkling is also the time when he's going through some really traumatic shit. So yeah, yeah, and you know Billy doesn't really want to to help the Super Scroll. And that's okay because the Super Scroll is going to like regenerate anyway in time. And, you know, Billy is also upset because he watched and failed to save Teddy's mom. Yeah. So remember last week when we said that that would kind of haunt Billy? Uh, we kind of start to see that, you know, Billy's not doing too hot either. He's also kind of been acting out this entire time. A little bit. Like in regards to like some other things like and how it's not really, you know what he would do in situations where he wasn't also extremely stressed and anxious. Yeah. So the super scroll is kind of like a little bit kinder and gentler here. Like as he like kind of explains to Teddy, like what was actually going on. Yeah. He didn't mean to kill his mom. And he's like, feels a deep regret here because he was actually not here to kidnap Teddy. He was here to save him as Teddy's father tried to save Clark. It's revealed that in the escape of Captain Marvel and uh, probably the other escapee, Avengers escapees as well, yeah. um, Clark, you know, masqueraded as Captain Marvel when they were escaping. So it was kind of like his heroic thing that he did, and he was obviously you know, probably punished for that. But it's has been his mission to, I think, restore what he feels is the right thing to do. Yeah, because. You know, he kind of, he sees, like, Anel taking Captain Marvel so that they can kind of, like, escape and asks her kind of, like, what she's doing. And she says, my father is the traitor, Clert. He has forsaken his people, emptied the treasury, and kept us embroiled in a war that no one, not even you, can remember why we were fighting. You are my father's champion, yet he has exiled you, imprisoned you, and you still remain faithful. And it's revealed that, like, even though he is the super scroll, like Clerk's kind of just like, I'm just a soldier. And uh, Captain Marvel actually inspires him and says, no, you're their hero. And, you know, if we fight together, maybe we can stop this war. But Anel points out that they really can't because once the guards discover that he's gone and Clerk says they won't because he becomes uh captain marvel and shapeshifts so that he can buy them a little bit of time so we learn that he actually helped because he wanted to help his people not what the emperor said they should do and basically he knew that the kree would come for teddy and if they couldn't use ted if they can't use teddy it, they'll kill him yeah and you know billy's skeptical and, and doesn't know like the scrolls won't do the same exact thing and Clark says, well, not, not while I'm around, at least. He says to Teddy, I'll, I'll do a Clark voice. Okay, go for it. To them, you are a genetic curiosity, a hostage, a potential weapon. And if they cannot control you, they will kill you. Kree have bad opinions about genetics, FYI. Yeah, remember those Inhumans? <laughs> yeah, so for those that don't know about the Inhumans or maybe only briefly heard of them, the Kree basically turned the entire planet of Earth into a genetic experiment, like, yeah. way back when. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, maybe hmm, not so great. No, probably not. That's why, like, the scroll are not super great also, but, like, in my opinion, the Kree are worse, because, like, eugenics, 
you know, fascist authoritarianism, the whole nine yards. Like they, they're, they're, they're there. Um, they're doing that. So that's certainly a thing that's happening. <laughs> As I like to say sometimes. And Clert also says, you know, you have the Young Avengers protecting you. And he also says, Oh boy. Ironic, is it not? That Marvel and the Scarlet Witch were my prisoners during the first Kree Scroll War on Earth, and now I owe my life to their sons. And Billy says, But I'm not the Scarlet Witch's son. The Witch Clerk replies, Of course you are. You and your twin, the Mage and the Speedster. The Scarlet Witch never had children. According to Scroll Intelligence, she did. Twin boys, Thomas and William. Dun, dun, dun. There we go. Billy's eyes are really wide as his entire world shatters apart. Because, (laughs) just because I meant to mention it earlier and I did not, if you remember from previous episodes, so Teddy's favorite Avenger was always Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel, um, who is now learned as his dad, while Billy's favorite Avenger was the Scarlet Witch, who now apparently might be his mom. How's that? But how, my, but Mikey, how is that possible? The vision will tell us. The vision will tell us through more robot magic, as Charlie called it. <laughs> robot magic 2, the sequel to robot magic. Because <laughs> uh, Billy asks vision. We get kind of like a time skip and they're all in, I guess, like the cockpit. Yeah. And so Vision says, according to the former Vision's memory files, the Scarlet Witch was so desperate to have children, she unconsciously used her reality altering powers to create twin boys, Thomas and William, out of two lost souls, souls that were later consumed by Mephisto, Lord of the Netherworld, as his own. However, when Mephisto reabsorbed the twin souls, they had been so transfigured by Wanda's magic that they destroyed the demon and dispersed. Thomas and William ceased to exist, as did the Scarlet Witch's memory of them. Until recently, when grief-stricken, the Scarlet Witch lost control of her powers, inadvertently killing Ant-Man, Hawkeye, and the former Vision. So, thus, we have come full circle, everyone. Yes. Yes, we have. Remember the very first episode, I believe, when we talked about Avengers disassembled and the whole bad beach drinks at the poolside and that whole thing. Yeah. We are we are here now again. And if you remember <laughs> Weird Baby Hands with Mephisto, uh the Weird Baby Hands were in fact Tommy and Billy in other bodies at some point in time. It to- at some point in time. Yes. They were their souls that were lost souls that are now in different bodies. And if you're confused, I promise you, Tommy and Billy are just as confused in this comic right now. But Tom- but Billy is jazzed because yeah. he basically buys into this right away and he says... Well, his mind's going like a mile a minute. A minute, yeah. Let me point out, in case it's not sufficiently clear... Like, everyone's worlds, or at least Teddy's, Tommy's, and Billy's worlds are kind of, like, falling apart right now. Um, And I think in his, like, desperation for stability, like, Teddy's clinging on to this idea of himself um, as this kind of, like, hero figure as hard as he can. And so what Billy, the driftwood that Billy finds in this ocean of uncertainty is the fact that the Scarlet Witch could be his mom. But he's got a brother. Yeah, and he has a brother. Well, 
So we didn't mention it. He already has two two younger brothers by his mom, Rebecca, but he, I don't think he likes them very much. <laughs> no. So this is like, not only that he has a brother, but a twin brother. Also has powers. That maybe could understand him. Yeah. Yeah. So like, if anybody can find anything to, to cling on to, I, I understand where Billy's coming from. And he, yeah. he, he really like, just gets onto this train right away. Tommy, not so much. Yeah, Tommy's, uh, like, my head hurts pose here is really good, because he's like, oi, and just, like, puts his head and his hands in his hair, and is just like, oh my god. Yeah, because Billy's already. Billy's just like, think about it! He's going full, like, aliens guy right now. (laughs) (laughs) We're the Scarlet Witch's twins! We have to be! Think about it! When Mephisto was destroyed, our souls were set free. Mine ended up with the Kaplans on the Upper West Side, and yours ended up- In Springfield, New Jersey? I don't think so. Tommy, we look exactly alike! I have the Scarlet Witch's powers! You have her twin brother Quicksilver's powers! Our names are even Tommy and Billy! How else do you explain it? Where are the children of the Scarlet Witch and- whoever the father was and the vision has a very bad time in realizing that it was the former vision it was the father of these children but that's not why he's exploding which he is exploding because all of a sudden he's having like a huge seizure with like electricity overload and everything it's not because of that realization it's because they just got hit yeah by scree scree the screer bath (laughs) scree <laughs> no, by this. Teddy is the scree. If Teddy. anyone is a scree, Teddy is the scree. A scroll cree jamboree. <laughs> I think we have our episode title. <laughs> it's also something that te- that um, Teddy says in Children's Crusade. Um, but I think that's an episode title. <laughs> um, um, because the scroll warship hit them, and because Clark was putting out a transmission. But since they're currently in a Kree ship, they think that the people on this ship are Kree. Yeah, which, you know, that does make sense. Yeah, you know, that's kind of like when your preparations kind of, you know, go against you. A little. A little, a little. And then Clark gets the brilliant idea that if he jumps out of the ship and says, wait, wait, don't shoot, they'll (laughs) realize what's going on and they won't destroy us. That's never a good idea. Yeah, it's not a good idea. Teddy points out that he's wounded. So Teddy says, I'll go. And then Bill, so this is just a, this is all happening right now. So then Billy's like, well, you can't go out there because you're the reason they're here. And then so Teddy goes, which is why when they see me, maybe they'll stop trying to kill us. And, and Billy says, why do I bother? He doesn't listen. I heard that. Oh, sure. Now he listens. That's it. Teddy, Teddy flies out into the face of this scroll warship, which is a very bad plan, by the way. No. It says, attention, scrolls, cease fire. I said cease fire. <laughs> they don't. And Billy's out here um, and says, it's like you want them to capture you. And, you know, Teddy's struggling and he continues to struggle with like what like what to do here. Yeah, but Billy does something really great and he puts them in like a bubble so that he and Teddy can have a time, a chance to like talk and like slow your roll, Teddy. We need to hold on because he says first you're bonding with the super scroll. Now you're basically offering yourself to these scrolls. And Teddy says they're my people. And Billy goes, they're not your people. They're not even people. They're 
And then there's some more explosions. Which uh, is another Kree ship that just shot down all the scrolls who aren't actually dead because they all have ridiculous green bat wings. Yeah, this is interesting. The, the 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 texture on these wings are very weird. They're like way it's way weirder than like the texture on Teddy's wings. They're the same texture though. Yeah, but like they look a little bit different. Like Teddy's are bigger. Teddy's are bigger. Teddy's are like dragon wings. These are like little weird bat lizard wings. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, listen. They had it was like a split second. It was all they had to shapeshift so they wouldn't fall into the atmosphere and die. Guess I guess you're right. You know, don't don't be harshing on them. They're doing what they have to do to survive. Life finds a way. Nature finds a way. Thank you, Jeff Goldblum. You're welcome. Um, Dr. Malcolm. Um. <laughs> Chaos theory. <laughs> but uh, that Billy did something about that. <laughs> but, you know, there there's really no way to stop these two factions. Or at least, you know, Billy doesn't think so. And it doesn't seem like there is, even though Teddy's like yelling them to hold their fire yeah teddy's still convinced that he can stop this war and billy's trying to tell him that you can't that you can't and says you know they're not listening a trait which i now realize is obviously genetic on both sides <laughs> <laughs> so this is just some really good like this is why i really like so we haven't seen much of like billy and teddy's dynamic specifically until this but I really like that Billy is like, I'm going to support you, but I'm also going to tell you what I think when I think you're doing things that aren't actually healthy for you. Yeah, it's it's just this is how you do it, right? This is how you write a relationship, especially a queer relationship in a way that makes sense to me, given the fact that they're also superheroes and not like Billy's not off throwing a tantrum, like, for some manufactured drama. Yeah. They're here to help each other. Yeah. And, like, I can see having, like, messy queer relationships, but I think, like, if you want to compare, and we'll we'll get there, we are going to cover Runaways Volume 1, the original Volume 1, so we'll get there, but I feel like the Runaways are the messier of the two groups, like... If you want, like, messy teen relationships and, like, messy queer relationships, like, Runaways is really good for that. But Avengers, I mean, Avengers are, like, the squeaky clean heroic types. And I think seeing a queer relationship that's mutually supportive and where the two are, like, equal partners and, like, they really do love each other and, like, want the best for each other, I think is really important, too. So important. It's, it's like, giving me a lot of feelings. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Regardless of how supportive they can be of one another, they are they're still in a sticky situation because Teddy thinks that his yelling actually is what stopped that caused them to all cease fire, but it's not. Yeah, which because <laughs> Teddy calls himself the son of Cree Captain Marvel and the Skrull Princess Anel. When Billy points out that unfortunately rhymes, <laughs> <laughs> which is I. I'm not trying to, like, read out the dialogue again after we summarize, but, like, certain things I do have to read out because they're just so good. They're very good, yeah. The dialogue in these in this issue and the next issue are really good. Um, And we see Iron Man, who says, we'll take it from here, which, like, took you long enough. Right. Iron Man and the Sentry and Jessica Drew, Spider-Woman. 
Well, it's it's the new Avengers. Yes. Um, is what it is. Jessica Drew Spider-Woman, who... Okay, they're jumping out of, like, uh, the ship. That's why she's, like, floating in midair, because she can't actually fly or web-sling. <laughs> but she's got these cool web wings. Well, yeah, she can do, like, paragliding mm-hmm. with that, but not actual spider stuff. No. So, in case you don't remember, the new Avengers are, at this point, Spider-Man, Wolverine... Luke Cage, Captain America, Iron Man, Spider-Woman, the Sentry, and I don't think Iron Fist is on it yet. No. Because I don't think he shows up in these issues at all. Yeah, they're the new Avengers. They're not the old, not the old Avengers, who, if you recall, have disbanded. Yeah. And then they reformed after Rikers and whatnot. You know, they're all kind of, like, having this terse... I don't know where this conflict is actually happening. Like, everyone's been shot out of the sky. On the top of a building? Yeah, I guess. A very conveniently big and flat building. But, sure. So, they kind of, like, have, I guess, a little bit of a talk. So, Cap and the, you know, Avram are... He's here. Having a bit of a chat. Our buddy Avram. And so Cap is like the son of Marvell, and Avram says, well, you know, yes, and therefore we get to conscript him. And so the scrolls say that Teddy, the hatchling, is their heir. And so Avram says, make no mistake. If the boy is not immediately released into Kree custody, we will be forced to take military action against this planet. Which Wolverine replies, all eight of you. Even now, a Kree battlecruiser is entering the Earth's atmosphere, ready to strike at our command. And so Clert says, As is the scroll armada. And Wolverine sniffs and says, I smell bluffing. And Avram's basically like, do you really want to find out? <laughs> I love that the sniff. Yeah, no, it's like, good. Sound effects are, are here. <laughs> Sometimes I miss Logan. Yeah. Sometimes. Laura's also good. Laura's but... the best. But that's not here. We're not there. So Cap then turns it back on Teddy and says that it's his move. <laughs> Which, like, who? Okay, this whole time you've been more than willing to tell the Young Avengers what they should be doing. Except in the one time where you could do something, Cap. Because the Kree and the Skrull both count you as an authority figure. And then you turn around to the kid. Cap, what are you doing? I don't I think he's lost control of his life. I mean, he did go through this. Uh, uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, he did go bit. through the whole Winter Soldier thing in the interim of this entire the series playing out. So, like, maybe he's yeah. also not the best person to ask about these matters. Yeah, he doesn't. He looks a little, like, tired. Yeah, I don't think he's the best person to ask about these types of things. Regardless, the Avengers have inserted themselves into this situation. So, yeah, like it or not, they've made themselves part of this. Um, So Billy goes... You know, he's not going anywhere. And and Teddy doesn't want, and Teddy says, Cap, please don't make me go with them. And then uh, Cap and Iron Man are talking about. Have a, they have a conversation because. Again, the merits of giving. Iron Man is, starts talking immediately about the merits of giving Teddy to the Kree. Because they don't want a war. Uh, which, Tony, please. And then so so they're kind of also stalling for time and Avram is impatient. So he asks what Cap, what his decision is. And then Eli. And, and Eli speaks up and he says, Cap, please. Teddy doesn't belong with them. We're the only family he's got now. You can't. And 
Teddy and Billy are like holding each other in the background of this panel. Yeah, Teddy's like saying his goodbyes. <laughs> it's very sad. And, you know, Cap says, I've made my decision, Eli. And the next, you know, page says, Hulkling stays here under the protection of the Avengers. Good, Which, good job, Cap. Thank God you made the right choice because Tony sure wasn't going to no. do that. No. And then Avram freaks out. Tony's even got, like, somehow his mask has, like, a weird surprised expression on his face. I'm realizing <laughs> now. He's like, eh? <laughs> And, you know, Avram's not having any of that. So he pulls out his gun and he says it's going to be Cap who needs protection. And before he can shoot, Eli jumps in front of Cap and gets shot with a laser rifle. Yeah. Which, if you don't remember, Eli is... I guess sober is the right word for it now. Yes, he's... So therefore, he does not have any powers. No. So he takes the full force of a Kree laser rifle that was meant for Captain America to his gut, and... He is bleeding from the mouth, and he falls right on over into Cap's arms. And the the last page... Tells him just to hold on. Yeah, the last page is a large splash page with Eli being held by Cap, and all the new Avengers and all the young Avengers just ready to go. Yeah. Basically, like, ready to fight. And Wolverine's actually already killed three three Kree soldiers in the background. And, you know, Steve is just holding Eli and saying everything will be alright, as Eli is kind of, like, bleeding out. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not gonna lie. If everyone is fighting... <laughs> I said, oh, okay, I misread that. I thought everyone, I thought I said everyone fights so much. What I actually said is Steve holding Eli as everyone else fights is so much. <laughs> so we've got Kate is like right behind Eli looking extremely concerned. Teddy is extremely concerned. Billy is like desperately fighting. Vision is like sticking his hand through a Cree guy, I guess, to like disable him. So this entirely desperate fight is going on behind them. Yes. So let me just, let's, let's just kind of like talk about this, let this issue breathe. Like, let's talk about this a little bit before we move on. So Teddy found out that his dad was Captain Marvel, Marvel in this issue. Billy found out that he's potentially the son of the Scarlet Witch and has a brother. Tommy, who also found out that he might be the son of the Scarlet Witch. The Vision, I think, has finally now told everyone. Like, everyone on the team now knows kind of, like, what's going on with him. Yeah. Like, there's, like, both sides are pulling a Teddy to, like, come, or else there's going to be, like, a giant planetary conflict. Yeah, Teddy, who's just lost his mom, and Billy, who's still trying to grapple with the fact that he couldn't save Teddy's mom, and then Clert, who's gone from the bad guy to now... As far as we can tell, the good guy. Yeah. Um. So we've had like a complete 180 on what our perception of Clert is, at least as far as the story is concerned. I've always loved Clert. I uh, no, Clert's Clert's good. Even when he's at least he's been respectful of Teddy. Like in the yeah in the way that he you just, know he just like he only knows how to do things one way. Yeah, exactly. Is, like to apparently show up in the middle of New York City as like a flame man to apprehend teddy yeah which you know maybe not the best idea no that's what you're planning on doing but i think you know he was kind of like yeah i fucked up like he admitted it yeah 
you know, I'm not going to forgive him for it, but at least he admitted it and was like, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. And I did not mean, you know, I'm so sorry that it's all come to this. Yeah. Um, But he was like kind of desperate because, you know, he was trying to get Teddy's attention before all this happened. And like, come to think of it, he did like grab on to Teddy, but then everyone immediately started fighting and didn't really let him talk. No. So, you know, maybe, maybe a little, you know, it was just unfortunate all the way around. I mean, it, there's there's many there's many people to blame <laughs> about kind of maybe the turn of events here, but yeah. at least Clerk, we know that Clerk's heart is in the right place. Yeah, yeah, that's methods bad heart. Yeah, you do good, the right, good. you do the wrong thing for the right reason. There you go. Um, but that's yeah, issue that eleven. Was issue eleven. Thanks. <laughs> it's ramping up, and we got a whole other issue to go over. Yeah, and this is um. Issue number 12. This is the final issue. And the cover is... Yeah, I actually love this cover. It's very good. Like, it's got... Like, one side's filled with Kree soldiers. One side's back filled with scrolls. And it's got Patriot in, the fore- in like the foreground. The Vision, Spider-Man. It's like a mashup of both teams. And then Teddy's at the very top. Like with his wings extended, and he's like flying towards the sky. In my uh, issue of the trade, at least they have the cover sketches that Jim Chung did for both cover eleven and cover twelve. Um, so this is like my favorite composition, I think, of all the ones. One of them that he did have was Teddy with his head in his hands, like crying. Oh, jeez! Bent over with his wings outspread, like a profile, as like everyone was fighting in the background, which was a lot. Um, actually, a couple of them have that same pose, but this is like Teddy is like triumphant in the background with his wings, like in like kind of a Superman pose. Yeah. Um, which I think I think it reads well that like even though there's a struggle, like Teddy is on top of it all. Going back to like issue eleven really quickly. I, mm, the so one of them is like Billy looking like he's on the cover of a My Chemical Romance album with his head down, his arms crossed. In front of a window, one of them has Billy with his back turned. Um, one of them is like Billy, Billy's face and the rest of the team's face in like a burst of lightning. One of them is like Billy with his like this Billy Tommy fusion with their hands outspread as like one of the scrolls like melts in a reality warp in the background. Ooh. So like I think we actually I know that wasn't like the greatest cover. But I think of them, I think it was like the best option of what Jim Chung sketched. Yeah, you're probably right. Because none of the rest, like I wouldn't have wanted a face melting cover. That would have been, I think that would have been a, way too dark for what the issue ended up turning out to be. Which was still like not good, but not like. Not like that. Cosmic horror. Not like this. Not like this. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we start. We have a creative team. Yeah, we do have a creative team who is a <laughs> little bit different. Before we start, we have a creative team. Before we start, things have changed slightly. Yes. Um, Alan Heinberg is still the writer, but he's been joined by Carl Kessel. Kessel? Kessel? Yes. Yeah. I didn't actually know that until you put this out. The interesting on the last issue. So maybe someone's picking up the slack a little bit. Pencilers are Jim Chung and, and David Hahn. So they pencil these. And we have more inkers. Um, you know, Chung helped with the inks on this too, and David Mikis, uh, Mark Morales, John L- Livesay, Livesay, and Dave Hahn also did this as well. 
And we have someone joined us on colors, so Justin Ponsor and Peter Patazis. That's what I'm that's what I'm gonna say. That's what I'm gonna say. Pantazis. 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 I don't know. Sorry, sir. Thanks for coloring. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just looked up Carl Kessel. I guess like maybe they missed I'm assuming you got the creative team from like an official source. Yeah. Um, they must have like miscredited because the only comic writer that I can find that his name is Carl Kessel has one S. Um, and he's done like he must be like a freelancer because he's only written like a couple issues on Marvel like here and there. Interesting. Well, he well, he wrote like an arc of the a couple arcs of the Fantastic Four. Um, a couple arcs of Human Torch and Marvel Apes, whatever that is. Wow, that sounds... He wrote Captain America Patriot, which I don't know what that is. Like, a couple Cap things. Oh, that was that was when Cap... So, Patriot is a legacy name, but it's also, like, a name that Cap has given himself sometimes. So, I guess that was, like, when he was like, I'm not Captain America anymore. I, I'm, I failed. And, like, <laughs> Cap has, like, these times where he goes... Like, if he gets really sad, the way Cap, uh, like, grieves and has his emo stages is that he takes off the shield and, like, just puts on another name. So, like, he's been Nomad and also apparently Patriot. All right. Like, he had a... Yeah. So, when Cap's like, I'm not... Like, nobody else says, Cap, you should give up the shield, usually. Usually, it's Cap being like, I did not... I've disgraced the name of Captain America and I am no longer worthy. Oh, you mean like he's doing right now? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Okay. Well, we're not. I'm, we're not talking. We're not talking about the best that. thing. I will say really quickly. The best thing that could happen uh, right now is if someone comes and says, uh, "Everything that has happened, everyone's been a scroll." Um, <laughs> because yeah, well, it's just only. a hot mess. If only. And I'm I'm so mad about it, but we're not gonna get into that. No. Um, but we start where we left off. With uh, Tommy about to kill a man, actually. <laughs> yeah. He's got him down on the ground and he's like choking a Kree soldier out and like has his fist raised to punch him. Billy's doing a magic dance in the background. Yeah. Teddy's punching a guy. Throwing him and throwing him up. Yeah. And Cap is in the meantime telling Eli that he's got to hang on because they're going to get him out of here. And Eli keeps telling him that he's sorry. We're going River City Rampage up in here. Um, yeah, honestly. Eli is just like, I'm, Eli, does, you know, he's, he's losing a lot of blood and doesn't really know what's going on. So he just says, I'm sorry. And Cap's like trying to console him. And he says, you're not going to yell at me. And Cap says, not this time, son. And Eli says, then I must be in really bad, then I must really be in bad shape. Not untrue. <laughs> yeah. So the sentry who can fly is going to fly him out and take him to a hospital. Um, and Jessica Jones uh, is going to meet them there and Cap will follow as soon as he can. Uh, but he's not going to let anyone go anywhere. Um, so then we get like a really cool panel of Teddy and Cap fighting together, mm -hmm. like back to back, uh, which is really cool. Um, and also kind of funny because that's kind of like how I feel like Cap and Hulk proper fight from time to time. Yeah, I think it's I think it's uh, I think it's a blatant homage. Yeah. So, you know, they're kind of still talking about what they're going to do. And Cap says, we need to get you to safety. And Teddy points out, well, they're just going to start looking for me if they do. Well, at least we can um, keep the fight contained here if we all stay here. Yeah. But everyone's almost kind of under control. 
Billy is magicking some people on top of each other who are just all wrapped up in spider webs. But actually, no, because there's another Kree ship on the way. I don't know why the Avengers tower or whatever tower right here looks like it has the Siege Perilous on top of it. I, I can't tell you that for certain. I don't know why I forgot that. Oh, and we've also got like that that scroll ship. What I assume is the scroll ship is like the thing on the right. Yeah, it's like the weird cil- cylinder. Yeah, it looks like the thing that you take out of a cigarette lighter in your car. <laughs> it does. I mean, am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. It does look like that. So Cap orders Teddy to get everybody out of the way. And so Teddy says, I'm sorry, but I'm staying. And Kate backs him up. And, you know, if like they don't have time to fight, and if they don't have time to fight, then they'll fight together. And then we have a nice big splash page of uh, Teddy yelling, Avengers Assemble. With the new Avengers and the young Avengers all yeah. assembled, shall I say. It's really good. It's very good. Yeah. So for some historical context, typically the person that says Avengers assemble is the leader of the Avengers. But this time Teddy gets to say it, I guess, because he's the, you know, the object of concern. And also the only one that's kind of like making definitive decisions. Yeah. Because <laughs> Cap's also, if Cap was in a way before, he sure is hell in a way right now. There's so much going on in the next page. Yeah. Well, okay. So we have a couple pages, like two page layouts, which again, I said before that if you're going to read any two issues of Young Avengers, you should read these two. But the pages and spreads on these two issues, I love them so much. The layouts are so good, both visually and thematically, uh, because what we have is we have panels with kind of like certain character's story paneled on the right side of the page over the spread. And I think it's a really good way to like show like overall what's happening and keep the fight moving while still being able to break down these fights to tell the little micro stories that you want to tell. It's really good. And, you know, I think like the paneling itself on the right side isn't super creative no. necessarily, but I think the overall effect is really great. No, I, I think you're right. And it's something that I think so many other times when people want to tell like a big climactic battle, they have like small panel, like they keep the regular panel format and then just go punch by punch. But here we're like zooming in to certain parts of the fight and we're seeing like the banter and how these characters are thinking and what they're feeling. And I think it's way more effective. Um, and I would like to see this kind of thing used more often, actually. Yeah. And we get, honestly. and we get like good moments between characters. We get, um, you know, Cassie and Spider Man like having a There's moment. A scroll that's trying to eat Spider Man's shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's happening there. I'm being scrolled alive over here. And then Cassie grabs him and like, and and Peter basically says, well, if you're that big, maybe the the roof can't hold your mass. And Cassie's like, well, I didn't think about that. So she shrinks and like, and then drops Peter. And he says, it's okay. We can't all be hyper neurotic recovering science geeks. And so she says, as she's like writing on his shoulder as a little tiny Cassie, she says, you were a geek. And he says, that was a joke, right? Um, which is really good. <laughs> and Spider-Woman is like, got, got shot with a Kree laser rifle and um, Kate fires an arrow to get the Kree that shot her. And um, she basically, you know, throws Kate a gun 
and they fight back to back and it's really good and that's the first time that an avenger calls her hawkeye yeah because uh spider woman goes thanks for the save hawkeye and kate says thanks but i'm no hawkeye and spider woman goes really could have fooled me which is just really good um and then on the next page we have again like a similar thing like we're seeing another part of the fight um, but this time we get to see the young Avengers that we see are Billy and Tommy who are fighting back to back with Wolverine doing Wolverine things with scrolls blood in the foreground. <laughs> um, so what? I just love Tommy. I love Tommy. Like Tommy's like interesting poses. Yeah. In these. It's very good. Yeah, I imagine, like, in the spread here that they've got him, like, mid-leap. Also, he's still in, like, yeah. his super juvie outfit, so he's got, like, Yeah, he's weird... still in his inmate clothes. Yeah, he's got, like, these weird, like, sock shoes. So, Tommy, we zoom into Tommy, and he sees Wolverine slicing people, and he goes, I thought Avengers weren't supposed to kill. Kind of hearkening back to Kate yelling at him the first time that we saw him. And Wolverine goes, relax, Junior. They're scrolls. They'll grow back eventually. So Tommy takes it um, in that case, and he vibrates the air so hard that the scroll explodes. <laughs> uh, so Logan says, you're sick, kid. I like it. <laughs> and, then Cap and then Cap confuses Tommy for Billy and asks Billy and Logan, what are you doing? <laughs> and so Billy flies in and says, you know, that's Tommy. He's a speedster. And they're kind of like having this conversation and Tommy's just like, uh, guys, alien soldiers trying to kill us. Maybe now's not the best time. And so Tommy's just like fighting and cleaning up around them, which gives Billy and Cap a chance to talk, yeah. which is like the funniest conceit, but I love it because <laughs> that's totally a thing that would happen. Yes. So Billy kind of gives Cap a quick rundown um, and Cap's kind of not sure what's happening. He's like, uh, how do you know about any of this? And Billy just says, because I think Tommy and I are those lost souls. And it's like, not the best time to give that. Yeah, no. I mean, like, again, it's it's funny, but it's also like, you know, maybe now's not the best time. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then we move on to the next page and see another section of the fight, um, which is uh, Vision and Iron Man and Luke Cage and Teddy. So Iron Man is not good at being a dad. He should never try to be a dad, which is probably why it's so bad that he makes so many robots and, like, versions of himself, but we're not going to get into that right now. No. Because um, he's he's kind of, like, treating Lil Viz like a, like, dog here. That yeah. Got like, I thought we agreed you'd remain in the lab. Yeah. Like. Okay. All right. You know, Vision is kind of, like, standing up for himself, and Iron Man is being super, like, uh, you you know the young Avengers are unauthorized. They don't even exist, so you can't be part of them. And Lil Viz is like, "That hasn't stopped them, sir," and <laughs> says, "It won't stop me either." <laughs> so somebody, at least somebody's standing up to. At least to he, yeah, at least he knows what he's doing, and um, you know, Luke, that's probably the the Iron Lad portion of him getting that, out. That's true, and and then we see Teddy and Luke Cage fighting and. Um, you know, Luke asked that the whole Kree Skrull war is being fought over him, and he's like, I'm just this year's excuse, <laughs> which is also true. Yeah. And so he kind of, Teddy does kind of like a cool thing where he takes one of the scroll by the leg and then like swings them around like a bat to knock over a bunch of the Kree. The Kree. Yeah. 
and then you know uh, but that gives like four Cree the chance to grab onto him and then fly him away with their jetpacks. Yeah, and Luke is yelling his name. Yeah, and so the scrolls see that see that the Cree has the hatchling, and so they say shoot to kill. So Clerk shows up, puts like a bubble around them to stop them from firing, and um, you know says you can't risk hurting him. Um, and then the, the scrolls say, better he should die at our hands than betray us to the Kree. And you are in no position to give orders, Clert. Like, which is like, really? We're going to do well, this now? Yeah. So, you know, this guy, Zrex, calls Clert a liability. Um, so Clert just says, fine. All right. If you're not going to help me, I'll go get him. Yeah. But don't fucking shoot him. <laughs> So, but they still are like shoot to kill, but spare the hatchling if you can. If, if you can, can but it. leave the super scroll to me, which maybe shows that maybe Clert isn't in the position that we thought he was, or with, that he thinks he is, or that he thinks he is with the with the scroll. Yeah, um, and I don't, and I don't think that he is. And you know, him, him, and Teddy have a conversation about needing to end this, and. You know, Clert also makes one last pass and says, embrace your destiny, reclaim the Skrull Empire. And, you know, the Kree aren't going to be okay with that. And that's what Teddy yeah, tells him. Yeah, it's a him. little hasty. Yeah. Like, it's it's just not something that's going to work out. Yeah. And Teddy's smart enough to know that because he, because Clert thinks that's the only way to do this. And Teddy says, nope, uh, I got a better idea. And so he just says, follow me and says, I'm doing the only thing I can. I'm surrendering. Uh, but then, so we see the dust kind of settling and everyone, um, you know, kind of coming to an agreement. Um, it makes sense that Teddy is, uh, you know, of royal lineage because he's definitely naturally good at politics, uh, because he's made a, a treaty, uh, kind of with the Skrull and the Kree, um, that he's basically like, they have dual parentage over him like he goes and stays in the Kree's house for like uh half a year <laughs> and then um he goes to the uh scroll for half a year um we'll spend and then, the summers on earth yeah exactly but you know cap and iron man say if he misses a visit to earth or if he's harmed like the avengers are gonna make sure that this Kree scroll war is ended once and for all and cap you know, asks Teddy if he wants to go through with it. And Teddy's like, well, yeah, it's the only thing that we can do. And he thanks everyone for everything and says that he hopes that someday they'll understand. Um, but Billy's got kind of a look on his face. Yeah. And we go over to the next section of panels where, you know, Cab asks, on obviously, Billy, if he's all right. To which Logan, like, kind of pipes up, um, why are you asking him? <laughs> um because the super scroll that's standing right next to him, um, you know, it should be the super scroll you ought to be worried about. And he tells, you know, basically. Super scroll goes, I do not know what you mean. <laughs> and of course, Logan can smell that it's not the super scroll because the super Cut scroll. the crap, kid. <laughs> the super scroll shapeshifted into Teddy and went with them. And Teddy is still here on Earth because he was masquerading as a super scroll. Yeah. Yes. Cap, sa Cap says he didn't see that coming, and Spider Woman kind of says seriously, and it's like, duh, it's the scrolls, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so the Super Scroll now is, you know, with the, you know, he's going to enact this plan, and, you know, neither one of them know who Teddy is or how he is, so how would they know? 
Yeah. And so Tommy asks, wait, you guys knew the whole time? How? And the Young Avengers, specifically Kate, say that, you know, it's because the Super Scroll doesn't use contractions and Teddy does, <laughs> which is really good. Because um, it is kind of like, it's kind of lampshading the whole, like the way that the aliens talk in Marvel, which is always like super serious and like super like they're back in the medieval times. Yeah. Which, you know, they probably learned English out of a dictionary, so. Aliens, like aliens will. <laughs> they don't know the formality, the, um, you know, the specific ways of casual speech in the English language. But they're getting on a Billy hoverboard to go to the hospital. See Eli, yeah. Eli's so still there. we, you know, rush into the hospital and, you know, Jessica's filling us, Jessica Jones is filling us in. Once we get there and says that he's lost a lot of blood and that he needs to have a donor and Cap is ready and willing to be that donor. And once he gets into the room, he sees that Eli's grandpa is giving him a blood transfusion. Remember when Eli said that's how he got his powers in the first place? Yeah. And Jessica kind of like shoves some salt in the wound here and says the other super soldier beat you to it, which is, you know, kind of like, yeah, you forgot about that, didn't you? Yeah. And, you know, we see that blood transfusion happening. and Which I will say, she says the other. I don't know if Eli's uncle is technically classed as a super soldier, but, like, I feel like he is. Though, like, even though she's kind of shoving salt in the wounds, also, he's not the only other. Like, other implies that there's not more. Yeah, I don't. I just think that it maybe wasn't edited good enough. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and we don't know. We don't know who's writing this even now because apparently someone's like ghostwriting it too. Yeah, so you know they kind of meet us at the hospital, and you know after the surgery would is successful, like Eli will be able to be normal, except for you know the now the superpowers well, that he's not dying. Yeah, the superpowers that Eli is actually going to have. So, and you know they kind of have this conversation. And yeah, so Cap is again telling them that they can now live a normal life. And we know from reading the annual or the special um, how basically all of the Young Avengers feel about the concept of being normal and Kate, especially. So Kate, thank you, Kate. Thank you for existing. Stands up to Cap and says, The minute Eli's back on his feet, he'll be chasing down bad guys, powers or no powers. That's just who he is. It's who we all are. The same as you. I know you and Iron Man don't approve of us, but I can't help thinking. If you guys had supported us, if you had taken the time to train us, maybe Eli wouldn't be in surgery right now. Maybe Billy's parents would still have a place to live, and Teddy's mother would still be alive. That's how it feels anyway. So if you really want to protect us, and then we get a page turn, you'll accept us. Thank you, Kate. Yeah, that's, if anything... I know that we've had kind of this like bickering between Eli and Kate of like who's gonna lead, but you know, with Eli down and recovering, like Kate's not going to sit back and take it, and that's really good. No, that moment's very good. I always like it when people, yeah, and that's if anything, that's the truest like indicator of how much of a Hawkeye she is. Yeah, exactly, and and we'll know, and we'll and we'll get some of that here in a second. Um. Because we kind of cut away from that hospital, you know, right after that to, you know, a little bit later where... Billy's Billy's magicking some statues, which is faster than Michelangelo. Yeah, <laughs> he, and he's he's fixing, like, the damage in the front of Avengers Mansion. Yeah. Um, the one thing that bothers me here is, like, so they talk about whether Cap and Iron Man will let them have 
this is their headquarters. But Cassie's still calling, like, or she says, they let us keep the vision, which, like, Lil Viz isn't a person. He's not an object. Yeah. Like, they're still not. Ca- maybe maybe this is, like, how Ca- Cassie is, like, thinking about it. So she's, like, okay, he's not Iron Lad. He's the Vision, and the Vision's a robot. But it's still shitty. Yeah, it's still bad. Like, just because he's your robot friend doesn't make him less of a person. No, that's, And yeah. I'm going to call you out on this, too, Charlie, because you also called the Vision in it. <laughs> not letting that one go. I'm sorry. My relationship's more complicated with robots than Cassie's. That's, that's fair. But I, no, I agree with you. Um, and we, you know, have a cutaway where Billy's magicking a new statue and it's of Cassie's dad. Yeah. Teddy's, Teddy's still really sad, though, because, um, you know, Billy has also made, Billy made one of Captain Marvel and he's like, I, I can't really see the resemblance. And yeah, but Cassie does, you know, does get the statue because Scott never got a statue. Um, and Billy says, and you do look just like him, which makes Cassie really happy and kind of gives her some nice closure too. And, you know, we get another side where Eli is carrying um, pieces of Mockingbird statue so Billy can fix it. Yeah, I and- found Mockingbird. <laughs> and apparently Eli's got super powers now. So he's got super strength and super hearing and all that yeah, jazz. Yeah, because he overhears Kate Kate um, talking to Jessica a little bit and saying that common sense isn't one of his newly acquired superpowers. For hearing is, though. Yeah, because Eli heard that. No. Eli. Also, though, like, I get that he should be recovering, but also now he has, like, super (laughs) soldier blood in him. So, you know, he has healing. Jessica Jones asks if they've heard from Tommy. And and Kate says, um, we offered him a code name and a uniform and everything, but I guess he's not the code name type. So apparently Tommy noped out of that situation. I mean, it does kind of seem like something he would do. Yes. You know, he doesn't have, also he doesn't really have any ties to the team. No. Not that we know of. Yeah. Not that we know of. Well, other than this mystical connection that maybe he and Billy share. Yeah. And and to be honest, like that probably also freaked him out. So more of a reason not to stick around, right? Yeah. And also, you know, they're all buddy buddy with the Avengers. And yeah, it's just yeah, a and, bad situation. You know, speaking of code names and, and you no, know, Jess hands Kate Hawkeye's things, um, you know, Clint Barton's things. So his quiver and his bow and, you know, Cap wrote a card for her and said, you know, to, you know, for Hawkeye. And, you know, Kate's like, that's I can't take this, basically. But Jessica reminds her that, you know, even without the bow and arrow, the only Avenger who stood up to Captain America the way you did was Hawkeye. And, you know, there we go. Kate's finally officially got a code name. Yeah. And she, you know, maybe this doesn't get rid of her sense of imposter syndrome, but definitely like helps it out. Because I think Kate has had a bit of imposter syndrome this whole time. Yeah. That's kind of where the code name argument has come from of like. Well, you know, I'm just doing this. I'm not really cockeye, but I'm not really, you know, hawking bird either. I don't really know who, you know, I'm just doing my thing. Mm-hmm. We get this really sweet moment and very sad oh, moment sad. where Teddy. Yeah. So this is the memorial service. And Teddy says that the way this leads in is Teddy saying, if it weren't for me, she'd still be alive. And, you know, Billy is holding him and he says, your mom and it's so sad. It's, I'm getting teary-eyed. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all crying. Even Eli looks like, even Eli's starting to tear up. And Teddy spreads her ashes. Yeah. Into the wind. And then we get the silhouette of the team as 
they ask what happens now. And Teddy's bas- Teddy basically says, now we got to start looking for Billy's mom, the Scarlet Witch, because Teddy's also bought into this. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like, it, so at this point, Wanda has kind of been, well, Wanda, so I meant to give this context earlier. Wanda and Hawkeye both have kind of been like MIA this whole time. Hawkeye is presumed. House of M has happened already. Yeah, at this point. So she's gone missing. She's missing after House of M. So after No More Mutants. Yeah. And Hawkeye is presumed dead. Yes. Uh, missing, presumed dead. So like, it's kind of like, well, you know, if we have this connection to her, then we should go out and look for her. Just as like, trust me, you don't want to do that. Um, and Cassie kind of, you know, she's reluctant and has a reason to because the Scarlet Witch, as far as we know, murdered her dad and Hawkeye and the Vision. So, you know, and Billy counters and says that's because she thought Tommy and I were dead. If she knew that we were still alive, you know, then we kind of leave it off from that because there's a giant explosion in the foreground. Well, in the background. In the background, excuse me, yes. And, like, they don't really know what it is and Kate and Eli says, is it chemical or, and the Vision says, it's, it's a hyperkinetic. And so they're like, oh boy. And we see Billy, like, holding his head. Kind of been like, it isn't. And so in comes a speech bubble that says, it wasn't my fault. Okay, it wasn't entirely my fault. And it is Tommy. It's Tommy. Tommy, please. And everyone says Tommy. And Tommy says, Tommy, who's Tommy? The name's Speed, right, Hawkeye? And Eli says, Hawkeye. (laughs) And Kate's just excited that he's wearing the uniform. Yeah, that she made. Yeah. So Tommy goes, nice fit, don't you think? And Eli is just like, I'm sorry, speed? (laughs) What's wrong with speed? It tells you everything you need to know in one syllable. Agreed. There's something to be said for brevity. (laughs) And, you know, Billy's concerned about what what Tommy just blew up. And he says the United Nations building. But yeah, so and he also says Tommy's name and Tommy answers speed. Like he's (laughs) not letting he's like, I'm in the costume. I'm, you're gonna fucking call me my fucking name. Don't use my civilian name. It's so good. I love Tommy. Goodness, yeah. do I? You know, you know, do, Tommy. Do you want to read like the rest of this exchange? I can. Yeah, we can. Go for it. Yeah, because I feel like I feel like with Tommy, us just describing the dialogue does not do it justice. No, you you want to take you want to take Billy. I'll take Tommy. Or what do you want to do? Sure. Okay. Yeah, you can you can be Tommy. I'll okay. be everyone else. Okay. What did you just blow up? United Nations building. What? Which I'm going to need you to magically put back together for me after we take down the Zodiac. You can do that, right? Zodiac? Guy with crab hands and a giant bull. These ridiculously hot female twins. They're holding the UN hostage. What's left of it? See, this is why I don't want him on the team. Really? Because I thought it was because you were just jealous of me and Hawkeye. Excuse me? First of all... Just so I know, are we going to stand here and bicker all day, or are we going to go and fight the bad guys? Well, usually we manage to do both at the same time. We're that good. Eli's just like, come on. I'll try to keep up, Tommy says. It's very good. (laughs) Yeah, and so Billy and Teddy are in the back, and they kind of have a moment of looking at each other, and Billy goes, this is not going to end well, is it? And so Teddy goes, probably not, but I have to admit, I can't wait to see what happens next. That's the end. That's the last end of the... That's the end. (laughs) That's the end of Young Avengers, actually. Yeah, that's the end. 
forewarning, I guess there wasn't really anything that happened next until a while. A while, yeah. Teddy and uh, some of the young Avengers and I said maybe the majority of them, except for a couple characters were. Yeah, like they'll get cameos here and there, but they're in other people's stories. Like fundamentally, we don't get like a decent young Avengers story, um, you know, for like years and years until Avengers Children Crusade. Yeah. And which was probably supposed to be volume two. Yeah. Like we talked about that some last week, but I think that that was supposed to be volume two. Um, arguably, we get uh, we get a Young Avengers story during the Marvel event Dark Reign. And we get one um, during Civil War. Like kind of like a mini story. We usually get a mini during all of the events with the Young Avengers. And Civil War, which is probably the one that comes up next, is... A mini with the run the runaways and the young Avengers and a character who we meet for the first time, um, who will become well, a young Avenger at some point. Yeah. Um, but you know, in Teddy, not the first time in comic books. No, but and the and first time in kind of the young Avengers circle. It's like wheelhouse. the first time I think yeah. those characters meet, which is funny that that yeah. never that exchange never comes up again, does it? <clears throat> huh. It's almost like someone didn't read all of the canon, isn't it, Charlie? I think you're right, Mikey. It's almost like somebody ignored a large portion of the canon to write their story. Somebody that writes comic books. Like, because I think it's fine if you as a comic fan don't read everything. Like, I know I've been fairly, like, gung-ho about that position before because I think it's one that, like, isn't given enough credit in comics. But, like, if you're going to read characters that actually did interact, maybe read their stories before writing them. I don't know. Maybe. Um, but. The Teddy and Billy play a rather a rather a rather large part in Civil War. Yeah, absolutely. If you're going to read Civil War, if you want to go there, it's good for would, those moments. I would say don't. I would say don't. <laughs> yeah, I would say you know it's maybe important if you want to know the larger context, but you know it's a good story in some parts and not one in others. So I would say the overall Civil War is not. Yeah, your actually. mileage your mileage may vary uh, extremely much. Like, I kind of want to do, like, some kind of wrap-up of, like, Civil War, because I think it's interesting, but I definitely think regardless of what we do, before we touch on any of that, we want to we wanna go to the Runaways. Yeah, we're going to be covering the Runaways next. Um, it will be sliced um, with this, you know, in- really awesome interview we're going to be doing with Christina Strain. We'll be talking about a little bit about the Runaways, probably, and a lot about Generation X and um, how much I love that story and just kind of trying to give that a nice send-off because i think it deserves one um and then we'll get into some runaways material as well as going um you know we'll come back because these two te- those two, two two teams meet and we needed to find a good way to uh to mingle them together so that's where we're gonna go yeah and because i think seeing when they first meet it'll mean a lot more even if we do just like kind of a brief overview it'll mean a lot more knowing who both of those teams are and charlie will get to learn about the runaways i mean you already know about them but you haven't read like the original story i have not i have not so we're trading off i'm reading generation x for for our special that's upcoming and charlie's reading runaways yes so that is kind of where we're going next and thank you everybody for hanging in and going through this wild time yeah known as young avengers volume one which um this is not the end of the story they do go the end wasn't just bullshit they do go find the scarlet witch 
That is something that they do. Well, you also still have to talk about Young Avengers Presents probably too. Yes, we do have to talk about that because that has some good context for the characters. Yeah, so I guess that is like the next thing that happens. Yes. So we'll be shuffling some things around. Um, excuse our dust while we figure out where we're going next. Yeah. Continuity gets, a, it's a little less messy. Like, we all know how the continuity goes, but it's like, how do we cover this in the best way yeah. that's, um, you know, makes the most sense to folks while we kind of do? Because I know, like, we never really, you know, we talk about, we have our spiel at the beginning of the thing that it's about teen superheroes and why we love them, but it's like talking about these stories and Charlie and I started with Young Avengers because it's what we really love. And I really do love, you know, for better or worse, how these characters have evolved over time and over the different little arcs. But it's difficult to, like, pick out bits and things when there's not stuff that would make for a really good read along. Yeah. And that's what we're doing here. And I don't want to I don't want anyone to think that we're trying to have a concrete oral history of these characters in any way, shape or form. And um, because, you know, as we go forward, we're reading these stories and I'm sharing why I love them with everybody um and why and with mikey even though we do this all the time um so you know that's what we're doing here and i'm not like i don't want to be like hey i'm giving this information take out your chart and now put these things down into your chart yeah. and see how they go together because we're trying to do something like super educational i'm trying to fill in people's continuity gaps while also talking in specific terms about why i love these characters yeah because like I mean, honestly, if you wanted to just go see what was up with some of these folks, you could just read Wikipedia. Yeah. But that's so... I like to give a little bit of flavor. And also, like, you know, it's helpful, I think, to see how in comics, characters can change substantially, like, for better or for worse. I'm not even talking, like, a character development sense. Like, when when someone picks up the pen and writes a character that's different from the person that wrote that character before. Like they have their own version of that character in their head and that's what they write. And that's what comes out on the page. Like there isn't for both some people's frustration as well as some people's excitement. Like everyone that picks up the pen on a character has essentially a different version of the character. Like there's things that remain the same, but even with the sense of like canon, there's no, there's little things that will change from side to side. So like a character is like the culmination of all of those things. Yeah. Rather than like any one particular thing, which I think like is important too. Cause like, I, I don't think I would enjoy if we were still writing the same, like Stanley Jack Kirby Spider-Man. No. Like if that character had never changed as much as I have some disagreements with how, you know, Spider-Man specifically has been handled like as a character it's still like i don't think it would be interesting if we kept reading like 1960s spider-man and just had people ghostwriting that same character yeah no but you know we'll get into it and um we have we do have a nice little segment at the end um thank you to everybody that um, gave us some comic book covers to look at um my good friend papa um Papa seven two four five four six on Twitter, um, sent us friend of the show. Some friend of the show sent us some very interesting 
covers to look at and determine. I'm gonna describe these to Mikey, and I'm well, gonna well, no, no. I need to look at them. Yeah, first. I'm gonna describe. I so know. I, I want you to I look at have, these. I don't know any of these characters. I know. So we're gonna pretend like we do. All right, I'm gonna open the link now. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Can I describe these? Can I describe what I'm seeing right now? Please, please do. With with no context. So there's an Iron Man. The title is the all new Iron Man Shame of the City, in which I see Keanu Reeves uh, holding an Iron Man poster and crumpling it up as he walks along the sidewalk and a kid is pulling down a poster of Iron Man holding a child wearing a bucket on his head. And there's like graffiti of like a mustache. Why is Keanu Reeves here? Oh, I mi- I almost missed plus Tony Stark's struggle. This is no, this is not this is Tony Stark is played by Keanu Reeves sitting on the bench looking sad. Okay, next. Um Rom, the little box, the Marvel box up in the corner has a robot man smoking a pipe holding a robot woman with like a beehive hair. Are they dancing? What is it happening? Looks like it came straight out of like old Epcot. Yeah, it does. Yeah, They're like this. It's like robot masterpiece theater. Yeah, is what it is. Yeah. Um, and so there's a robot, a transparent robot in the sky with glowy eyes as the scroll fight. <laughs> what even are these? They're like goo. They look They're like. like- they're like red lava monsters. Yeah, they look like a red version of the Ghostbusters ghost. Slimer? But yeah, they look like a red version of Slimer, but with legs and glow fists. Okay, so just for some context, Mikey, Papa says, Hey, Charlie and Mikey, which comic from Assistant Editor's Month in 1984 has the best story, do you figure? So Assistant Editor's Month, I'm assuming, is where they got the assistant editor to come in and write these stories. Oh, which... I see that now. On Keanu Reeves, it says, beware, it's Assistant Editor's Month. Don't say we didn't warn you. This is such a wild concept to me and that would never happen now. Oh, I and I see there's like in ROM, there's a little label on the lower left. It says, warning, surgeons have generally determined that Assistant Editor's Month is dangerous to your health. <laughs> okay, so we the the goal of this segment is to decide based on the covers only which is the better story, right? Right. I am absolutely taken, even though I don't know um much about Rom Space Knight, and I think that works in my advantage uh, my to my advantage right now. Um, I am completely taken with the cover of Rom. I absolutely Robot am. Masterpiece Theater. Robot Masterpiece yes, Theater. So- Robot Masterpiece Theater. I want to believe that this is introduced by the smoking robot in his like smoking jacket and his pipe in a chair. And there's like a stormy weather going on, like the traditional Masterpiece Theater setup. And then they transition into this pulpy, weird scroll story. And then it's end capped by another. W- Thank you. This has been Masterpiece Theater as presented by Rom. Yes, I agree. That and I think that would be extremely entertaining to read. So I'm gonna just based on that and just based off of you know Keanu Reeves moonlighting as Tony Stark in the other one, which 
perhaps could be an interesting story, but it may just be like a 1990s, late, late really 1990s Keanu Reeves story, and I don't know about that either. I'm also not interested in Iron Man's man pain, I'm gonna be honest. That's true. So, we're gonna like, go, we're gonna go with Rom. Demon in a Bottle is like, supposed to be a really good Iron Man story, but like, I'm not in, uh, compared to Robot Masterpiece Theater, it doesn't even hold Yeah, up I'm gonna go with Rom, number 50, uh, a special yes. double-sized issue with Robert, 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 Robot Masterpiece Theater. There you go. That that's kiss. Mwah. Yeah. Beautiful. You, go pick it. Go find that somewhere, kids. I'm sure maybe you um, can. Not I, not sure. I feel like reading it might be a disappointment in yeah. that it won't be Robot Masterpiece Theater. Write a fan um, fiction. Hey, if you guys want to write what you think this issue is all about, um, please. We'll put it on our website. Please, we'll put it up and we'll talk about it we'll next we'll next uh, next episode. Please do. Um, and we'll credit you. Give me your best fan fiction about what also, happens in this story. Also, if you have like comic arcs or about teen superheroes that you really love, like let us know. Email us your suggestions of what you think. Like that's not a guarantee that we will read them, but I'm always like looking for, um, you know, more teen superhero stories to look at. Yeah. So same. Feel free to send them to us. Um, I think we're pretty good on. Uh, cover comparisons for right now actually i think papa has single-handedly supplied us with like two months worth yes they're all very good but please doing the, don't doing the Lord's feel work. free to send them in i'll i'll favorite them and yeah. I'll, keep, I'll keep them like going yeah that's true that's i'll keep true. them going but um for right now this has been the young ones and you can find us on young ones cast on twitter.com where mm-hmm. I and Mikey uh, post when the show's up, post things that happen. Anytime we need to reschedule something, that's where you can find most of the information. It also links to youngonescast.com, which is our um, website where there are weekly... We have comments now! We have comments, and there are weekly articles by our editor, Everett Christensen, um, who writes lovely articles about teen superheroes. Which you should all read. Please, please tell us. Don't only add us on Twitter or email us at youngonescast.com, but also you can tell us what you think directly in the comments now and talk amongst yourselves. Oh, yeah. That's exciting. It's our little community. And you should, yeah, you should also read Everett's articles because they're really good. You can find, um, you can find me at Genetic Ghost on Twitter, where I try not to lose my shit every other Wednesday. Um, <laughs> yeah. It might be rough to follow me there over the next month or so. Um, I try not to yell about things on Twitter. It just is a place where I can feel like I can yell into the void, even though I'm not yelling into the void. If you like that, or you think that's something that you'd like to read, please follow me on Genetic Genetic Ghosts on Twitter. Um, How about you, Mikey? I am at quantum.dot on Twitter. Um, you can find me talking about comics. I've started talking about comics more, um, cause I'm slowly dipping my toes back into like comic now comics, probably at one of the worst times, but you know, can't, sometimes you can't help it. Um, but I also talk a lot about video game design as well as tabletop role-playing design. Um, feel free to talk to me or ask me questions about tabletop role-playing. Um, I won't, I can't pretend to be an expert in that regard. But I love to try to help people that are trying to get into it or that want to talk about it. Um, so, you know, feel free to talk to me about that kind of stuff. Or if you have questions about comics or suggestions about comics, I've got like a long list of um, 
stuff, especially indie stuff that I'm trying to catch up on. Like, I have a gem in the holograms trade that's been sitting on my night side table for like, <laughs> like a two years at this point. So I got to dip into that. But, um, you know, feel free to talk to me about whatever. But yeah, that's that's me. Oh, and I started streaming again. I have been editing the podcast some on stream. I don't know how much I'm going to do that this week, um, but that's also a thing. So I tweet about that as well. Um, and we also have a Discord. The link is somewhere on the Young Ones Cast Twitter. Um, if you want it, feel free to at us and we'll link it to you there. Um, I don't keep it up because then like spam bots join and that's just gross and grody. <laughs> Please reach out if yes. you're curious and want to talk to us. Yes. Next week might be a gap week if I don't get my stuff together. Um, we're going to have an episode. It just may just be about um, it just may be about something special. You know, when we talk about the things that we like, it may just be one of those. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, we have, we have, if we don't know what we, if you don't know, we, we can talk offline because we have stuff that can fill that gap for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, you know, stay tuned and store what uh, episode seven has in store for you. Um, the week after that, we will be um, interviewing Christina Strain. So until then. Same bat time, same bat channel. That's not right. This has been The Young Ones. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Yes, thank you. Um, bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Have a good rest of your week or wherever this episode hits you. Hope it's been a good one. Bye. Bye. bye.